What's up, brother man? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, belated Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2021, and hopefully this one's better than 2020. Yeah, can't get much worse. <laughs> Probably can't get no worse, as we as we say. Uh, well, we could encounter like some alien species that threatens the survival of humanity. That's true. That's, That's true. possible, dog. Some asteroids hurled at Earth from some other entity out in the cosmos, threatening uh, yeah. to destroy us. That could happen too. <laughs> right? You know, I was listening to a comedian or somebody <laughs> recently say something, you know, about like, uh, um, you know, because with Godzilla and King Kong coming out soon, right? Yeah, yeah, it's on the horizon. You know, and someone was like, man, that would drive me crazy if I just saw, you know, Godzilla show up like down the street and then somebody said no that wouldn't happen that dude would have came last year because <laughs> he wanted some piece of what was the havoc from 2020 himself you know what I mean so if it was going to happen it would have happened then absolutely <laughs> so today folks um, we're going to get into uh, you know uh, talking bit, about a little bit of fan service today a little bit of fan service talking about one of our our favorite uh, shows that we both really enjoy. Um, it's a show uh, called The Expanse. Like to welcome everybody to season one, episode five. Episode five of our Watch, Read, and Play podcast. Thank you for joining us. Definitely. So we took a you know like a short hiatus over the holidays, you know, but now we are back at it and happy to be back with you. You know, thank you again for joining us. And uh, like Mitch said, we're actually going to be talking about the expanse today. And um, well, before we get into that. Let's not pass up on tradition. We got us some hot and fepper here today. What you bring today, Mitch? You know, I got some uh, Jack Abbey's. I know you're a big fan of Jack Abbey's, and <laughs> as am I. You know, it is definitely growing on me, and you know, I'm surprised because they got a lot of these uh, lagers. Is it lagers or laggers? It's lager, right? It's lagers. Pop, pops would say lager just because for some reason he thought that sounded more fancy. Yeah, yeah. He would definitely <laughs> say lager. He would. He said lager. Yeah, but they've got a lot of these, you know, lagers. This is actually a, a, I guess they call it a double IPL, like an imperial lager called Kiwi Rising. It's weird. Instead of, like, India Pale Ale, Jack's Abbey does these India Pale lagers, uh-huh. which is weird. Um, and this one has, like, these new New Zealand hops and whatnot in it. But, you know, I think we've had it once before, so it kind of jumped out at me when I was picking up the hot and pepper for the podcast today so yeah and for a lager it's 8.5 percent too on the can man yeah yeah IBUs. this is as they say awesome. that'll do you you know yeah all right let's crack this all right oh yeah 
Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, that looks excellent. That che- looks great. Cheers, brother. Cheers. I've been waiting for that. We were sitting there talking for like half an hour before we started this, and that beer has been staring at me the whole time. I didn't realize how thirsty I was. Yeah, officially, you know now. Yeah, isn't it amazing <laughs> how a, a great hot and pepper reminds you of the need for hydration? Oh, that's good. Oh, as as are most things. That's way better than Miller High Life. Ugh. All right, if y'all been listening to us for a while, you know that why I say that. It's gross. All right. So the expanse. Uh, Jamal turned me on to the expanse, I think maybe about like a year ago, you know, and um, once I started watching it, I, I, I couldn't stop. It's a fantastic show. Hard not to binge it. It's yeah. hard not to binge it. A little bit of background. The expanse started out on sci-fi, right? I, I think was it the first two seasons Jamal were on sci-fi? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And then I, I think sci-fi was moving away from them and Amazon stepped in, you know, and scooped it up and thank God and uh, God bless them. I, right, Stephen King would say, I, I say thank you. I say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you. Yeah, you know, and when uh, Amazon stepped in, all the handcuffs were off, man. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, and uh, what, you know, it's, there's several great things about the show, I think many of at least our favorites will touch on today, you know, but one of mine um, is this, you know, the expanse is, you know, you know, it's funny when, when, um, when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, they called it like a space opera. This feels more like a space hmm. opera kind of, you know, to me in a way, you know, yeah, that's um, it, you know, cause this, you know, it's, it's obviously the, you know, the majority of the show takes place in outer space. Um, you know, well, there's some people who have said that um, one interesting thing about the expanse is that space is technically a character mm-hmm. because it's so ingrained. It, Very much so. Every single thing about this show takes into consideration the mm-hmm. the vacuum, yeah. so to speak, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every single thing. Absolutely, and it's authentically done, you know, and and part of the the science behind the way that they would, I guess, the way they respect the science as they make the show. Um, you know, it was very appealing to me because that's one of the first things you pointed out to me is describing how um, if someone gets wounded, yeah, in space. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? I, I never, you never think about that because you you've seen like Star Trek movies and um and just you've seen a lot of stuff that involves like intergalactic warfare and space battles and all this, but you've never actually seen anybody tackle what actually happens when you're hemorrhaging inside in zero G right because every single thing about the human body that happens uh, your blood circulation everything the way you even swallow everything is dependent on gravity uh, causing a downward force on your body and everything inside of your body so in zero G your blood does not clot properly so if somebody gets shot or wounded or so if you even get struck the wrong way where you're bleeding internally at all, it's kind of a death sentence if you don't find um, some sort of even artificial gravity in some way. Like right. It's very, very difficult to heal um, in that situation. So this show really does try to be as scientifically accurate as possible uh, with regards to that. And one of the most fearsome things in the show is the possibility of someone getting what they call 
Spaced. Spaced. Exactly. You know, and <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect way to kill somebody. It just is. And that's basically <laughs> putting someone in the airlock and hitting the button and Yeah, man. You know, and uh and you know, that's pretty much all she wrote. I think quite quite a few times if somebody's trying to get some information out of somebody in this show, if you want to put somebody in a situation where they're gonna give you answers, you put them in an airlock. And say, Now talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you weren't talking before, you'll be talking then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, so you you hear, you hear a lot of references to somebody getting spaced. That That's pretty cool. You know, so... Um, so how about just a brief synopsis of what the story is about, right? Um, long story short, I don't recall off the top of my head because I suck at preparation and I did not prepare for this. We were just having a conversation. Um, how far into the future does this technically take place? Ooh, I don't even know. I what imagine it, it might be about 100, 150 years. I, okay. think. I don't right. think it's much farther than that. It's, right. it's like every single thing about this show, it doesn't seem like Star Trek, where it's like something so fantastic that you there's barely anything going... Like, there's barely anything happening in Star Trek that we can truly fathom today with current technology. Everything about the expanse you can actually see happening, not with all with our current technology, but with a few advancements down the road. Yeah, one way I know that is relatively recent is they got bourbon. <laughs> how does how does having bourbon make it relatively recent? You don't see bourbon in Star Trek or Star Wars or 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 any yeah, anything like that. Probably, yeah, unless it's from a replicator. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. You know, so, yeah. Well, but they also, they don't do, there's no faster than light travel in this. Oh, that's it's a all good point. G's, yes, right? yeah, that's true. There, yeah. yeah, there is no light speed. Yeah, it's just, it's just the speed of sound. It's like, yeah. they'll go up as far as like 4G's or something like that. Okay. So, uh, it in some way, it really just depends on the idea that just over time, uh, we have populated parts of our solar system. So, you have, pardon me, at this point, you have... The, the main civilizations that you have is you have Earth, uh-huh. you have Mars, and you also have the belt. So, um, obviously, you know Earth, um, and we also have colonized Mars, but at this point, Mars itself has developed its own identity. And I think there are references where it's as if, uh, like, some people who have populated the belt, they say that, like, Earth is where, like, their great-grandparents were born, Wow. So I yeah, think okay. it's really just that short, that soon down the line. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say you we're probably looking at, you know, tops 200 years tops. from where we kind of are, I would think, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and as Jamal mentioned with Mars, it is Earthers, as they would say, who've gone and, and yeah. colonized Mars, and, not and since Little Green Man. You have you know? a couple of different, um, a couple of generations at this point are native to these other places. So right. That's all it really takes. If you are native to a whole different gravity, yeah, to a different atmosphere, yeah, then your body is going to be acclimated to that. Right, 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 right. So I mean, even just listening to a lot of the the dialogue or whatever, when you know they basically say that, excuse me, that you know the the people from the belt pretty much helped build those other two civilizations. So yes. it must have at least been. Several generations, you no, know what I mean. Right. So, and one reason, one reason why that would be is, 
So to really explain, this show is very political. So if you're not interested in any geopolitical stuff, my, my wife is not interested in any sort of politics or any of the nuances that happen with that. But she still fell in love with this show just because the character is actually so awesome. And, and it, it gets fairly easy to follow after a while. But the, the heart and soul of this is actually the political conflicts and the social conflicts between those three civilizations, the Earth, Mars, and the Belt. Right. So the the Earth and Mars both are referred to as inners by the belt, so to speak. Right. And the belt feels as if all the belt existed for at first was to harvest resources from the asteroids. Right. Right. To supply to the inners. To supply to the inners. So they they have this um, chip on their shoulder where they feel as if they're basically in servitude to the inners and they're. Um, I almost said a bad word. They're they're crapped upon <laughs> in in their mind, and I think in some way it's it's true. They feel sort of downtrodden. They don't have any natural source of air, no natural source of water, so they depend on shipments from the inner planets, and they feel as if they basically hold those resources over their head so that they do what they're supposed to do, while they're basically in poverty and barely scraping by while Mars and Earth reap all the benefits from their struggle um, in their lives, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That pretty much sums it up, you know, yeah. for sure. You know, the um, one of the other unique things that's interesting with that, you know, um, you know as well, is because of, you know, the, the, the belters mm-hmm. um, or um, the, uh, the Martians or whatever, um, they it takes them a long time to adjust to being back on Earth whenever they do visit, yes. whatever, right? You know, so that's where the physiological changes. Are, yeah, right? you know, so this, you know, and one of the things I enjoy a lot is, uh, you know, and I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but, you know, it's appealing that it's actually not a galaxy far, far away. You know, it's actually oh, our. That's a good point. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's actually our galaxy and places that, you know. Um, we can relate to or whatever. And it's, it's amazing, you know, and because it is just those three factions, their, their political struggles and conflicts feel much more relatable, I would, I would think. Absolutely. You know, um, and, and it's, 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 it's it seems very possible. interesting. Yeah. Like it seems like exactly how I imagine it. Yeah. Like Mars, so that's the belt. The belt feels downtrodden, and there's more of a re- rebellious attitude coming from the belt, where they really hate. Like the belters, for the most part, have a lot of disdain for the inners because of their, the 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 way that they feel as if they've been treated. Mars, on the other hand, is basically for a couple of generations has just perpetually been building this warlike society. It's really like very um, totalitarian Mars really is. You know, it is. It's, it's an authoritarian government that Mars seems to have where everybody has its compulsory military service. Um, yes, yeah, compulsory. And it seems as if Mars has basically just been beefing up with plans of an invasion of Earth at some point. Like, there's a Cold War constantly between Mars and Earth. Right, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and, and So Mars has surpassed Earth technologically, right? Yes, because technologically, that. yeah, that's true. I mean, and they're constantly talking about, like, you know, the the new vision of Mars and things like that or 
whatever that may trying to make it like another earth right yeah, you yeah, know yeah. you know but it's still you know from what we've seen visually is you know barren is you know still yeah, yeah right 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 uh, other than the structures and stuff that they've erected you know so it's funny how the how earth seems uh Earth seems as if it's been slightly wrecked and society's kind of collapsed on Earth. As you can imagine, it might be due to not even just overpopulation, but overuse of resources in the future and everything. And, right. And, uh, but Earth still seems more like the ivory tower. Yeah, it's basically right? the, the UN of the galaxy. Yeah, it seems like UN pretty much runs Earth. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, so that being said, the... so. That's basically the whole point of the story is at the very beginning, it's the the foundation of it throughout. It's been five seasons so far. Yeah, the so one thing that goes right all the way through that, all five seasons, is the conflict between, say, Earth, Mars, and the belt. That right. is perpetual. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's constantly each of those individual groups, you know, um, a, a lot of the plot or storylines through almost every season is each one trying to get leverage over the other two, <laughs> really. We're trying you know. so hard not to spoil nothing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> We're trying very hard not to spoil anything. So, all right, so check this out. A couple of cool things, too. Mitch uh, touched on um, those physiological differences. If somebody who was from Mars or from the belt came to Earth, they would have much difficulty just being on earth right right Uh i'll throw one thing out there so the belters because of that um like i said your physiology changes if you grow up if you're born and if your entire existence has been in this a different sort of gravity because of that in the very first season uh you hear one person referred to as long bones Right, I oh, think yeah, uh, the right. detective Miller Miller he referred to one of these Belter kids as a uh, long bones, and that's because because of the fact that it's like very low to no gravity on like their little colonies out in the belt. People are people's bodies have like genetically like they've just changed and bone density you have no bone density. And your body isn't weighed down the way it is on Earth. Like, compared to being, like, if, if they came to Earth, it would feel crushing. Like, it, they couldn't possibly stand. Like, there's somebody who's on Earth from the belt in the first season who it's implied that that person is kept in a water tank. It's the only way that they aren't in immense pain the entire time. Uh-huh. You know, and their their bone structure is their bones are longer and less dense, so they're tall and skinny in such a weird way. Like it's strange. Uh-huh. They they don't look like aliens or nothing, and it's not like you look at them and they just look strange. It's just it's just one of those things where their physiology is just just uh-huh. different. So I think one thing we can get into without you know ruining any major plot points and stuff for people are some of the some of the characters. Um, and what's great about the show is there are um, engaging uh, characters that are from each of those three factions, literally, whether it's Martians, you know, Earthers, or or folks from the yeah, belt. The main crew is a mixed bag. The main crew is a mixed bag. Yeah. You know, and one thing that we will tell you, you know, is that, I mean, the main crew, you know, is that, is that pretty early in the first season where that kind of coalesces or whatever, Jamal, or no? It is within the first couple of episodes. You have uh, you have a few people who kind yeah. of 
are part of the crew, but it's it's mm-hmm. not set in stone until I think maybe three episodes in. Okay, so right. it's not really spoiling anything. And basically, once you know, you know, once that crew pretty much comes together, you know that they you know that's you know that's the crew. They're pretty much a like a family, yeah. right? You know. So, um, so everybody serves a purpose. Yeah, that's one cool thing. So right. it's a very um, it's a very utilitarian way of uh, of looking at um, a crew of characters. So you have the captain, um, and he's not really established to be really the captain at the very beginning, but he turns out to be somewhat of a leader. He takes takes charge in a good way, um, and that's uh, James Holden. Right. right. Yeah. So you have the captain James Holden. Yep. You have the and he's an Earther. He's from Earth. He's from Earth. Yep. Um, you have the pilot. The hotshot pilot, right. Flyboy, yeah, and his name is Alex. Alex, yeah, right? and he's a Martian. He's a Martian, true. Then you have the engineer, yeah. Now technically, all right. So technically, Naomi's also an engineer, right? Yeah, so she is the engineer. Naomi Nagata. She's also she's a belter, yeah, and she is an engineer, right? Um, and then you have Amos, mm-hmm. who's also from Earth, yeah. Amos um, is from Earth. Yeah. Now, Amos is kind of an engineer slash mechanic slash muscle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like every everything, anything that needs to be done, Amos get on that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, got, yeah. You know, he'll fix something, he'll build something, and yeah. kill something. And yeah. <laughs> Amos is uh Amos is that dude. He's that guy. He's that guy. He's that guy. <laughs> he is definitely. And if that you've guy. already watched the show, when we say he's that guy, that's yeah. an inside joke. That, yeah. That's inside info right there. That's yeah. That's a little throwback to one of the one of the dopest parts of this entire series in my book. So those are you know the the four main people on the crew, the four constants on the crew, yeah. right? You know, and periodically over episodes and seasons. You know, they'll have, you know, kind of frequent travelers or frequent, you know, uh, collaborators and whatnot. Uh, One of the people they collaborate um, most with is uh, um, she's actually uh, a Martian as well, right? Mm, uh, They call her Gunny, right? Yeah, Uh, Bobby Bobby Draper. Bobby Draper. Roberta Draper. Right, yeah. You know. Fantastic uh, character. Fantastic character, right? Absolutely. And then we also have, uh, I always have a hard time saying her name. You know, the, the politician? Yes. Uh, Christian, is it Avesarola? Avesarela? Something like that. Uh, yeah. Something just, like that. Just Christian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not Christian like uh, like the religion, it's Christian, like, I think it's like C R I S J E N or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, so this chick, she's a. Uh, it's Christian. Avasarala. Avasarala. Right. Yeah, she's um, she's a politician. A- and honestly, since you bring her up, a couple of things about her. She is, um, from the very beginning, there are quite a few characters in this show that when my wife started watching this, she was resisting as hell. Right? I convinced her to actually give it a chance, and she did, and she fell in love with it. But what she kept on coming back to me with was asking me what somebody's motive was, like who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. It's a lot of ambiguity with the show. It's a lot of ambiguity with the show where you can't really tell necessarily if somebody is just good or bad because they kind of 
they you know they kind of do things that make you question that and christian is one of those people being that she's a politician she was like head of the un at the beginning of the series right right she's an incredibly powerful person so she makes some questionable decisions and you wonder where her motives lie you know but one of my favorite characters and the truth is the fact that they went to amazon after like mitch said sci-fi had him at first then the show got picked up by amazon one thing about this woman is that the lady who plays her has a voice where she sounds like she smokes like 25 packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah, I, I've never heard a voice like this woman. It's crazy. But then on top of that, she says the F word so much. Yeah. And it's funny how fans caught on to that and fans for some reason fell in love with this woman swearing and having such a potty mouth. And then when Amazon picked them up. Yeah. Hey, look, all bets were off. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's basically a <laughs> sailor now. Every other word out of this woman's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great. But, but it's it suits her, really. And, you know. It and, does. Yeah, yeah. It's not gratuitous at all. It's weird. No, and man. she uses Somehow. profanity in places where people would use it, but she just she, she doesn't hesitate to use it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's where the dialogue in this show is actually really good, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely one of the. Um, the show is is excellent at staying true to its characters, and very rarely, you know, have I ever seen someone on, you know. So this shows it's it's like uh, I mean it's five seasons in, so you know it's like roughly ten episodes a season. So you got you know fifty episodes of consistency, yeah. You know which is which is a you know which is it's a huge feat, but you know they definitely managed to pull it off. You know and you know and it's funny it's like you know we were just talking about Amos. You know, and Amos will do things that will shock you, but you're not surprised that he did he did them because because yeah, he's that guy. <laughs> and they don't seem you at at no point have I said, "Well, Amos wouldn't do that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's more like, "Oh, yo, look what Amos did." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And true enough to the characters that you like, man, Amos is probably gonna do. Oh, snap! He did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, you know. Um, the um, another character we touched on briefly, but didn't really elaborate on, is Miller. You know, Miller. You know the the um, you know again without um, giving away too much. You know, the first season starts with like a central kind of mystery. Yeah. And Miller is really at the heart of that. You know, um, of that mystery. Yeah. His his side story is kind of like a detective drama. It really right. is. That's actually really good. As a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, for the first season. Um, does that carry through to the second season where he's looking for Julie Mao? Um, I feel like it does. I think so. So, I feel yeah, like it does. Miller, Miller's task with a. Is he a private detective or is he actually a cop at this point? I don't know. I don't remember. But either way, he's. he's he I has, think he's still a cop. I think so. He took on an assignment where yeah. he has to find this. Uh, there's this bureaucrat who's a very, very rich man whose daughter ends up missing. And, mm-hmm. and this ain't giving nothing away. It's no. where, where it really seems very, very believable is it sounds like some stuff you, you'd hear of today even in our time. It's some, some rich girl who's uh, she's got caught up with she's some... She's a rich girl <laughs> She got you don't need. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. All right. She got caught up with some rebels, some rebels uh, where she's trying to fight the system and overthrow the system, um, even though she's this rich, privileged kid. Um, but 
she's basically gone missing, disappearing after falling in with this uh, with this rebel group and Miller's tasked with trying to find her. And and like we we're talking about all these different characters. You're talking about uh, Christian, the the politician. Uh, over the UN, we're talking about our whole our crew of heroes, so to speak, right? Um, and then we're talking about Miller. All three of these groups of people, and even the girl um, Bobby Draper, you know, right. she's a Martian soldier. All of these people are not dealing with each other at the beginning of this story, right? But there are little parts in all of their all of their parts of the story that are all interconnected with what's going on with this girl. And that's a great point, though, because um, uh, Gunny Draper or whatever, you know, in particular with her, um, she, you know, she really comes into the picture more either later in the second season or early in the third, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But is kind of vital to everything going on once she she does. Yeah, she pretty much stays there after, yeah. Another real cool thing with the show is that... um, I think what helped sell the authenticity of the show in a way is that um, a lot of the actors, they're not really like household names. No. You know, the only person that really is a household name is the guy who plays Miller, which is Thomas Jane. Yeah. Everybody knows Thomas Jane. Everybody knows Thomas Jane. You know what I mean? If you don't know him by name. Right. You mispointed out to me. Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. He, he played the uh, Punisher, I think, in the first yep. Punisher movie. Punisher. Or, well, not the first Punisher movie. That was Dolph Lundgren. He, he, he was the one with Travolta. And yes, Travolta exactly, played right. Yeah. Bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Um, so he's, you know, the he's the only kind of recognizable face. Yeah, now, that's a good point. Kind of I, some, I didn't know nobody else in that show. Well, only other person, and I didn't recognize him until I looked it up on IMDb, you know, but uh, Holden. Um, actually was the lead character from 10,000 B.C. You know what I mean? The kid? Yeah. That was him when he was That's young? Holden, yeah. Didn't know that? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, The um, Well, that was back in the day. That was really back in the day, or whatever, you know. But everyone else, I mean, it's literally the first thing that I've seen all of them in. The OPA leader, as a matter of fact, the Belter uh, rebel leader. Oh, oh, I take that, that back. That guy. That guy, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah he's... Uh, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, he's... That's uh, the one other person that I know I've Now, seen. that person there... Um, I can't remember his name in the show. His name will come to me in just a minute. Um, oh, his name is Jared Harris. In real in life. In real life. Um, the... Uh, um, he was... Uh, oof. You've seen him in a lot of stuff. Uh, one of the things that um, he was in, he was uh, he was one of the antagonists in the uh, the Fox TV show Fringe uh, for a long time. Um, he also uh, was in um, uh, there was just a, uh, there's a on AMC they had a miniseries called The Terror where he played a, a ship's pilot. But um, interesting information about Jared Harris. He's actually Richard Harris's son, and Richard Harris is the original Dumbledore from Harry Potter. Oh, that was his dad. That's his dad, and he is also uh, Richard Harris is also English Bob from Unforgiven. Yo, listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Okay. The funny thing is that says just how old that cat was. This <laughs> dude, he's pretty old right here. Like, yeah, that was his pops. Yeah. So the original Dumbledore, and he was also an Unforgiven. Yeah. He was English Pop, remember? Yeah. He's the one that little Bill beat down. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
Right, absolutely. See, I didn't even realize that until you said that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the only other character that uh, that I'd say was even... You're right. The fact that none of them were household names, really, right. and it was so many people who were fresh. Yeah. Now, yeah. later on, in, like, the fourth season, um, you get David Strathairn, you know, who's a fairly prominent English actor. Um, who was he in the show? Um Gosh, I forget his name in the show, but he was the one that was with um, um, Drummer when uh, she got hurt. Oh, know? that cat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've seen him before somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, all right, well, so we're talking about just some other characters. This is another cat. Uh, <laughs> there, there are quite a few characters that we haven't even uh, just touched on. Um, but so even with the belt, he just said a name, so I gotta throw it out there. Um, I'll and that's his name. Yeah. No, no, no. The drummer, right? Oh yes. Another one of my favorite characters is that character. Um, it's um, as far as the belt goes. When I said the belt has like this rebellious uh, side, where there, there, there are certain factions in the belt that are uprising uh-huh. against the inners to try to give the belters the belt wants a seat at the table basically and that's pretty much across the board they yeah. you know it's like they you don't see any i haven't you don't see any shy belters or bashful belters they're all you know um yeah you know yeah yeah there's yeah. a revolution yeah. that's happening <laughs> yeah. it really is and yeah but that's literally what it is they want a seat at the table they you know there is a very prideful group now what would you you know what would be the technical term for that you know if they or a civilization? Oh, well, kind of. Well, race. well, the fact is they don't have... The problem is that they don't have leadership. They didn't. Technically, they were a colony, while Mars is its own government. Okay. Mars has its own culture, right, its right. own government. The belt never... The belt didn't have, like, an elected president or a parliament or a congress or anything. But they're not a colony of one of those other two <laughs> places. They're just... Are they an exactly. independent colony? They're, they're, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's not like they're, like, uh, the Virgin Islands. They're, they're and, the uh, bastard know. child Ooh, of both. I gotcha. I know that's a harsh way to put it. Yeah. They're the bastard child of Mars and Earth. Mm. It's literally kind of how they're treated, how they feel, and it's really what it is. They have no seat at the table, so any decisions that are made for humanity, right. the belt has no say in it whatsoever. Right. And 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 I guess the best way, the only thing that holds Mars and Earth in check, here's a funny thing where it's another correlation to real life. The thing that holds Mars and Earth in check in this Cold War is mutually assured destruction, right? In real life right now, you have when you have world powers who don't actually attack and destroy each other, like the Cold War between uh, the United States and Russia back in the day. And that's what it was: mutually assured destruction. You have a bomb, I have a bomb. I'm not going to send my bomb to you because you're going to send your bomb to me, right? This is how we keep each other in check. The belt has no cards to play with that. So you have certain factions in the belt who feel like, well, technically. If we get our hands on a big enough weapon, then they have to listen to us. Right, yeah. So that's not any spoilers right there, really. It really does make sense if you think about it. Um, So so I'm sure you can gather from our our conversations that, you know, the the belt, you know, more than anything, they want to see to the table, you know, and, you you know, different times and different ways throughout the show, you know, um... 
you know, different mechanisms are put in place to help them get a seat at You know what's so hard? What makes me really, one thing I really like about it, too, is that it puts you, anything that puts you in a situation where you have to try to decide, um, it's ambiguity makes a really good story, right? Right. It's like the, there are certain, the whole belt thing, you can't help but side with an underdog, uh-huh. right? It's like, the belt is like Rocky going up against Creed. You know, in the first Rocky, yeah, it really is yeah, because yeah, yeah. you really, really rooting for that underdog. The problem is that it's if even if a lot of bad things are done, I'm not gonna sit here and say that if you watch this show that the Belters are the bad guys. They're not the bad guys, but when you're watching it, you kind of feel like, eh, are they the bad guys? Some of these people is the the OPA is like this Belter rebellion organization that's built like. You know, they they would remind you of like the IRA. You know what I mean? Yes, very much so. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Technically, yeah, terrorist organization within that. Yeah, but right. easily considered a freedom fighter. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a real gray area, and but that's where the political side of the show that's actually really cool. It's the reason why the show is actually good is because you really do wonder who is the good guy. Right. And then even a lot of cases, there's so many things that happen in the show to where, you know, um, I mean, even if you set this show aside for the minute, you know, uh, Jamal and I talk a lot about, you know, like uh, heroes and villains and stuff like that. And one of the things that usually makes a villain more compelling is a villain always thinks that they're right or justified. That's what makes usually a compelling villain. Now, not saying that the folks in the belt are you know, um, our villains or whatever per se, you know, however, you know, a lot of times, you know, um, some of them or folks in other situations may make questionable decisions that they feel are justified, not just because they're malicious or evil, you know, agree, you know, I agree, you know, no, there's one dupe. Belta, you know, Belta, Loda. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which that might be called into See, question, but yeah. Thanos. Right, that's exactly. The, that's the yeah. Thanos. That's the epitome uh, of thing. that kind of Yeah, you know. Thanos is the epitome of the villain that you sympathize with. Uh, another yeah. perfect example is right now my youngest daughter and I are watching the X-Men movies and Magneto would kind of fall into that same uh, mold in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, to where he's not necessarily... You know, um, he'll do some radical, drastic things, but for what he feels is the greater good. Well, that's where one thing that'll take a Kintera story down and make it suck is when you have just the big bad. The big bad is whack. Listen, you said that. So the whole Thanos thing, Infinity War is one of the one of my favorite movies. Infinity War is fantastic, fantastic, fantastic movie. In game, I'm the only person I know that hated it. I did not like In Game. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't hate In Game, but I didn't. I thought Infinity War was. But the the, the reason why I hated it wasn't because of the Lebowski Thor. I hated In Game because Thanos got turned into a big bad. That's what happened. Thanos got turned into a big bad. They reverted from him being this person who thought he was just doing the right thing and had a real reason to do what he was doing to just this guy who, oh, now he's pissed off because he sees how everything happened. So now I'm just going to kill everybody. <laughs> it's like it it took away the, the part that you could sympathize with that kind of made sense as far as his rationale because it was obvious that from the first one 
At the beginning of Endgame, when they found that not only had Thanos gone off into retirement, but he also destroyed the stones because he achieved his purpose. It's like, wow, he was real. He meant what he said. And it turns out now we're going to just make him a big bad who just wants to do bad things because he's a big, bad, mean, purple man. So anyway, this ain't about Avengers. But yes, that's that. That's the thing that makes um, that ambiguity right there. That ju- just the same thing that made Thanos a good villain is what makes. Um, I still don't want to say that the OPA is a villain you can sympathize with. Is it's not? You know, I I, I don't want to say that. Um, there's no real bad guy. Okay, at some point I'd say by series f- season what five in season five there's a bad guy. In the expanse, in my yes, book. yeah, yeah, in my book, oh, yeah, I'll yeah, say yeah. it's a bad guy. Yeah, who, who, who I would say this. I would. A, well, here's the thing: is that I think he masquerades as a good guy, as a good guy. Yes, but he's a bad guy. Yes, it's obvious that he's full of crap. Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, there was a bad guy in last season too, though. The dude, famous Amos, had beef with. Oh, yeah, but still, okay, yeah, he was a bad guy, but he wasn't like a powerful. He was just an antagonist. antagonist. He was an antagonist. He was yeah, an antagonist. Yeah, he wasn't a world wrecking bad are, guy like there this. There are antagonists in each in each season. This is true. This is true. Yeah, I'm talking about when I say a bad guy, I mean like that yeah, yeah, yeah. actually is like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, bad guy. Like yeah, just uh, yeah. somebody who can ruin your day, bad guy. <laughs> And there's definitely one it's in season so five, so hard. hang in there. It's so hard that yeah, yeah, spoiling but, the show. But Let's, you know what? I think we're doing all right with this, though. I think so. I, I'd say anybody who is listening to this, if you haven't watched it, don't don't worry about it if you feel like, oh, I'm not a nerd, I'm not in a sci-fi. This is right. not your typical sci-fi show. This is not is Star not, Trek. Because, you know, it, it, here's the thing. Now, I like Star Trek. I like, like, the old Star Trek. But I will admittedly say I have not seen every episode from every incarnation of Star Trek. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, but I like Star Trek. This is definitely, to me, other than, like, Firefly, which is unbelievable as well, is very similar, you know, has been the only sci-fi space drama thing that has just sucked me right in. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, um, right now, um, another great thing that Amazon does is, you know, when they release a new season... They'll drop a new episode every Wednesday, and I appreciate that, you know. And you know, and this is probably a whole other conversation. We get into the whole binging and all this other stuff, whatever, you know. But I, you know, with me personally, you know, um, I love that balance between, you know, streaming and cord cutting or whatever, but also still um, having some anticipation for something new that's coming up. One hundred percent. 100%. You know, so whether it's the Expanse drops new episodes every Wednesday right now, you know, until that season is done. Uh, the Mandalorian yeah, every Friday. The same thing, yeah. Same thing with WandaVision, which is new right now, every Friday. And guess what? I'm going through the week waiting on Friday. You know what I mean? And so it... Um, That's so much better than that oh my gosh. of a full season, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, it, you know, and it's, it's hard... You know, because here's, here's the other advantage of that, really, is if I watch, okay, so today is Saturday, as we're taping this, my daughter and I are watching WandaVision together. We just watched episode five. So episode five just dropped, we watched it, and guess what? Like, I'll have a week to actually appreciate 
all the stuff that they worked hard to cram into episode five, as opposed to if they had dropped the whole thing, I'd have watched episode five, jumped straight to episode six, and, you know, other than what went on in the plot line, would have kind of forgotten about a lot of, you know, the inner workings of episode five. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, if you think about people who, um, this is kind of their livelihood, you know, it gives them a chance, I feel, to for their work and everything to be appreciated, you know? I totally agree. Yeah, like, say, for example, like, even with The Expanse, and, again, this doesn't reveal anything as far as plot line, but there's, you know, um, I just watched the finale for season five. Uh, Jamal hasn't watched that episode yet. I'm a few yet. episodes back. Uh, it's all good, you know, <laughs> but, you know, there's um, some confrontations that happen in space in the finale to where it just amazed me the level of detail they go into, you know, to um, convey a lot of that, you know. And so just as a fan, you know, I appreciate it, you know. And that's the other thing, too, that's great about the show is it's like, you know, um, even like the weapons and artillery and stuff like that that they use, you know, it's, it's, it's all believable stuff. You know, it's not necessarily like, you know, here's like uh, an electromagnetic pulse that's going to take out a whole battalion of like, you know, um, fighters or you, you know, you punch yeah, yeah, one yeah. plane and the whole armada just disintegrates. Yeah. There's, or no, there's no set phasers to stun. No, no, yo, no, exactly. Right. There's, there's, no, there's none of that. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know? It's the, the, the only, the craziest weapon that I've seen them use in this show that we don't have today is like right. the rail gun in space. Like the rail mm -hmm. guns that they use are pretty intense. And right. that's technology that. Actually, I think we actually already have right. the tech. We're just not utilizing it like that. But well, yeah, no, I hear you. One of the other cool things that I like that they do, which um, I'm sure the science is going in that way, if it's not quite there, is their um, you know the medical capabilities as far as when someone gets hurt. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes. Um, That's pretty fantastic too. Yeah, and yeah. and you would think just by you know. Um, the way the science is moving, that this would be possible, you know what I mean? Um, you know, to where it's almost like a like a cuff or a sleeve that they'll put on someone. It looks almost know. like one of those things that you go to Walgreens and you check your blood pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in the show, you put your arm inside there, and it seems like just about any kind of illness that somebody has, any kind of medicine that's needed, antibiotics, anything. Right. Yeah, they pretty much can implement it that way. Which is which is excellent, you know. It's, it's pretty cool, and they also have a regeneration. Somebody can lose a limb, and they can oh, regenerate. Oh yes, that's that's a good yeah. point. And that's in the first season. You actually do hear somebody talk about. I think you see a cat whose hand or arm gets uh, cut off. Yeah. And there's a brief conversation about. Yeah. Whether yo, this is how real the show is. It's a conversation about whether or not the medical insurance that they, oh, they yeah. have from, right. from the company that they work for from the government as military, right. whether or not it's going to cover an actual prosthetic, like an actual regrown limb or right. a synthetic prosthetic. Synthetic prosthetic. Like wow. Dude's actually debating over, mm. over what level of coverage you might actually have. That's crazy. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. That is. So as you can tell, we really love this show. Um, 
Do we have time to throw in uh, Legends of Badass here? Yo, yeah, I got mine, you got yours. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm your huckleberry. Completing, man. I ain't got time to bleed. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I never get tired of that. You can go first, but it's all good. <laughs> All right, so all right, so here's my. I'm gonna call this chick a badass to me, and that's um, believe it or not, the biggest badass in this entire show, which is basically in our entire solar system, is this little chick who is a belter captain named Kamina Drummer. Uh, if you watch this show, you might not really realize why. I think this chick is so badass just in, like, the first couple of seasons. But you'll get it. Um, she's, um, I mean, she wears, like, a buck old five soaking wet with two rocks in her pocket. <laughs> That's a good description. And uh, and somehow she's she's just incredibly tough. Um, and, and the reason why she's so badass is because not only is she just this this female captain of this rough and rowdy group of people, but she commands a certain level of respect partially because she don't take no crap from anybody. Nope. She refuses to give up regardless of what the odds are. She tries to make the right decisions. Um, you do wonder whether or not she's a good guy or a bad guy in some situations, but it, it becomes firm that she definitely... I, I would say she is a good guy for sure, uh-huh. uh, but it's a few things that she does. Like for instance, that there, there's a, I'm not spoiling nothing. To hell with it. There's at one point where she, she gets shot, like in the belly. She gets gut shot, and still doesn't just fall down crying. She actually keeps on fighting, and and the way that it happens, it's believable. It's not like they took this. Like, you watch movies right now and some shows where you might see some chick who's real, real small who's just kicking the crap out of guys ten times their size and they fly across the room. Like, you're supposed to believe that. you got to be able to sus- suspend your disbelief in a realistic way. Otherwise, it's just silly. The way this is, is she just... It's, uh, it's, it's just hard to describe. Put it this way. It's a couple of things that you do see where this chick with a gunshot wound while she's on the men, she's still like doing sit-ups upside down while the blood is draining out of the scar. She gets like, there's at one point in the series where she's even like paralyzed from the waist down and she still won't sit a little ass down. She's somebody like fashions like this this sort of like mech suit for her where she's she's still walking around with like robot legs practically because she just will not just stop and rest because stuff needs to be done. She's just a very tough character to me. She is definitely a badass. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say she's a badass. Um yeah, I I can't say too much without spoiling it. I really don't want to spoil this series because it's it's a good ride to take, you know. It's it's a fun ride to take, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody. My bad. My badass is Amos. Yeah, called that. I knew that. You know what I mean? You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I will tell a very brief Amos story (laughs) that does not give away anything plot-wise. Amos is the truth. Amos is the truth. (laughs) So anyway, so in one of the later seasons, Amos is actually uh, taking a, uh, a brief trip uh, back to Earth, where he was from. He was from Baltimore. Yeah, he's from Baltimore. Right. So anyway, so um, he's like on a shuttle or whatever, 
and he's rooming with uh, for the night with uh. two other guys, right? Um, so anyway, the years on the shuttle, uh, there's these guys, this other group on the shuttle that tends to, you know, kind of rough people up for their lunch money, so to speak. Some extortionists. Some extortionists, right? So these extortionists come in and start talking to these other guys, and Amos, who's napping, I think, at the time, or laying down, sits up and tells the extortionists, they say, look, uh, you guys aren't going to do this anymore, or... Um, you know, these are guys aren't going to give you anything. Well, you know how they did it. The extortionists are basically like, hey, it's a nice room you got here. Be ashamed if somebody came here and took all your stuff. Why don't you pay us to protect you right. from yeah. them, exactly. a.k.a. us. us. Right. You know? <laughs> so anyway, so here's what happens. So, and so the guys, they see that Amos is serious, and they leave. And so the guys that Amos is protecting, you know, they say, Amos, you know, uh, like uh, Amos gets changed. Uh, to go take a shower. So he's wearing a towel or whatever, right? And he gets ready to go take a shower, and the guys who he just kind of saved, they look at him and say, look, hey, you know, you don't want to go in there now. You know they're going to be kind of laying in wait for you, right? They're coming to get you. They, they're going to be coming to get you. And Amos says, yeah, I, I don't like waiting. <laughs> and that's the kind of guy that Amos is. Yeah, really you know is. what I mean? Really and And there's frequent moments like that and then his you payoff, know, even in that situation, yeah. it's exactly the way he expected it. He went, and yeah, yeah. they came. And it's they, like, they, yeah, they they were ready, and he he did not. Yeah. He, he he doesn't like waiting. That's that's true. And the, and the other guy, yeah, was it the other dude? The other dude. Uh, there was another season, <laughs> the season before this. Yeah, when a, a dude looked, the dude looked at Amos, the main antagonist, who right. was is this tough character. He looked at Amos and said. I have a feeling that uh, me and you are going to get bloody one day. Yeah. And what did Amos say? Yeah. said, I'm free right now. Yeah. <laughs> he it's said, like, I'm free. Yeah. I'm free right so, now. So Am- I mean? Amos is a hammer. That, those are words to live by. It is. I'm free right a- now. A- Amos yeah. is essentially a hammer in search of a nail. Yes. And he knows himself that with his crew, we say he's like a mechanic slash muscle. He is... He's the good guy who's willing to do almost anything for the right reason. And that, except nothing, to show just how much he actually is a legit good guy, though, is that nothing pisses him off more or motivates him more than somebody, if there's a kid who's in need or something. Very much so. He's a a teddy bear in it. When I say a teddy bear, he's a teddy bear who will murder somebody. Yes. <laughs> quickly. Is, quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very efficiently. So um, that's um, yeah. so that's my badass, his name is. You know? <laughs> I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm your huckleberry. Why? You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. And I'm all out of bubblegum. So I, I wanted to just touch on one other quick thing uh, that we didn't touch on that's actually pretty big, pretty important if y'all are watching this show. So, as with some things in life, there's a language barrier. Mm. If you watch this show the first couple of seasons, I'd recommend watching it with the subtitles on. And I only say that because, (laughs) dead serious, the the belters. So, as it would be, once again, looking for some authenticity in this show, there's people talk so strange the the belters have this weird creole accent that they use. it is very kind of creolish i it guess it really you would is say. Yeah. like they refer to like the belter people are belta loda 
And inners, they refer to as inyaloda. They say stuff like, instead of saying like, yeah, or they'll say stuff like, k or sesa k or it's it's weird dude it's like a, an entirely different language and it turns they out they have their own dialect for sure they do and, and it turns out if you if you listen to some of the dialogue in the first season i remember miller the detective was actually talking to some girl taking a statement from her uh, like a witness statement uh-huh. from her and the subtitles suggested that she was actually speaking like inner like speaking a different language okay uh so most of the dialogue that we hear isn't, it's just, it's like English, but with that accent, like this Creole English, but it looks like there might actually be like a different language also, but you don't hear it a lot because how could you, yeah, right. you don't understand what they're saying. But yeah, just there, there's, it's weird. Like every single captain is called Boss Mang. I know, right? You know yeah, they all are. Instead they of Boss are. Man, it's yeah. Boss Mang. Yeah. yeah Boss yeah. Mang. It's, it's cool All of as hell. Them. That's like, true. Uh, I love it. Yeah. yeah I yeah, absolutely but, love it. So Kamina Drummer, the badass chick, the captain that I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's boss man. She is boss man. <laughs> yeah. even, even, the, even the females are called boss man. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just wanted to throw out there one other thing that makes me love this show, and this is just me. One thing I, I'm always hating on, I'm always hating on anything that does. There's... Today in our culture, there's a constant push for things that have a certain level of diversity. There's a certain required diversity you have to reach in Hollywood, on TV. And I I absolutely hate, and I'm not the only one. A lot of fans tend to feel a lot of, you get like a, a sour taste in your mouth whenever you see something where it's more artificial, where it's like forced uh, diversity or when somebody tries to push some sort of um, like intersectional ideologies and stuff into a lot of TV and, and shows and stuff and, and even movies. It's a lot of stuff that goes downhill because they push so hard to have such a diverse cast but they focus on that diversity as if the story comes secondary or if you want a strong female character that strong female character, that identity is what drives them rather than actual character development. You understand? And this is where I I think this show is very special is because I've never seen a more diverse show. It's actually like like if you watch an old Star it's, Trek show. It's an extremely diverse show. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's it's like back in the day. You used yeah. to have a lot of diverse shows. Yeah. The original Star Trek was one of the original most Big very Space diverse shows. Space Nine, Voyager, all yeah. those shows were incredibly diverse. Yeah. But diversity, it wasn't diversity for the sake of diversity where they didn't beat you upside the head with social justice. This show is incredibly diverse. Right. Uh, half the characters that we've talked about, you know, Bobby Draper's a black chick who's one of the most powerful fight, one of the baddest ass fighters hand to hand in the entire show right. um, Kamina Drummer's a little chick who I said weighs a buck old five dude and she's the most badass character in the entire show to me but she's not badass at the expense of her male counterparts you know and that's where a lot of shows I think make a big mistake they, they try to tear down any masculinity while boosting femininity in such an overblown way that it totally just wrecks the entire story or any character development because they're just trying to achieve some artificial level level of of diversity 
Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm getting at? I do. So I think this show is very special because it kind of ticks all those boxes. And I think that's the reason why it's not so praised. Most of you who are listening to this, unless you're, you're already kind of into like a lot of nerd culture, you probably have never even heard of this show. It is not a show that you see advertised a lot, um, like mainstream. And I think part of it is because there's not a lot of social justice to do with it, even though it really is, you know, it's a lot of like real world things that you can kind of compare it to, you know, and, and there's something in this show for everybody. I would honestly say that. And if you were looking for some sort of representation because you cared about seeing someone who looked like you in a show like that made a difference, this show also could satisfy that. You know, I think it's a it's a really cool, really cool show. That's me on my soapbox right there. No, I mean it's stepping off. Not much to, <laughs> not, not much to add to that. So hopefully you're able to see that, you know, um we're huge fans of the show. Um, we encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast to um, to hop on the show. And uh, one thing I will also tell you is, uh, give it you know give it a couple of episodes. You know what I mean? It it takes them a couple of episodes of the first season to really kind of set the stage. Very similar it to does. where if you watch Game of Thrones and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You know to where they're really just kind of you know getting the pieces in place over the first couple of episodes, but then it just really locks in, and then so. It's a very worthwhile ride. So um, we highly recommend Expanse. You know, we want to thank you for listening. You know, um, you know, we encourage you all to hit us up at uh, Watch, Read, and Play Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and um, we really hope that you will uh, consider leaving us a uh, recommendation or a review on Apple Podcasts. I thought I'm surprised you remember all that. All this, this uh, 8.5% India Pell logger that you were seeing. Yeah, I know, right? Absolutely. You know. <laughs> yeah, if y'all can leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh, we really, really appreciate it. We promise you we won't keep everybody waiting so long no, before we no. get back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, um, so thanks again for listening. You know, until next time, we want to encourage you to get out there and uh, watch some movies read some books and play some games peace peace y'all